What? What? It's not the hol. Well, I started to say it's not the holidays, but I guess that is really kind of an all year round sweater, right? That's not. You tell me. It's for August. It's an August sweater, Brad. What? There's no such thing as an August. August is the last month you would want to wear a sweater in. How, how long have you been saying? It's always cold in August here, man. No, that's true. That's true. I, Plus, you know, August is the time that windows came to us. God, you're right. Yeah. I don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. August 24th? 20. Hmm. Type in again right now. Windows 95. I think it's 23rd. Released. It's either 23rd Date. or 25th. I thought it was an odd number. It was the 24th. It was absolutely. I God. fucking nailed it. August 24th, oh, really 1995. Good. I cannot believe I remember that. That's amazing. Were you waiting in line someplace? No, we ordered it. We mail ordered it. And I. That's what I did. Ran home. <laughs> uh, I was sitting in my apartment. I didn't go to class that day, which wasn't in fairness, oh, super wow. unusual. Okay. So yeah, I, I started to say on any other podcast, I would be embarrassed to admit that I ran home from school to get my copy of Windows 95, but then you just told me you skipped. So that's, if anybody's embarrassed here. Well, I was in college, so it wasn't, it wasn't okay, like, a, well, that's like I, my, my strategy on college for classes were, that were big was like, you know, get the syllabus, show up for the exams. That was just a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Quake World, uh, Quake World wasn't out yet by then, but, uh, but yeah, so no. uh, I bought that Windows 95, so that stupid Windows 95 sweater and it finally came. That's and pretty good. That's pretty I love good. it. It's yeah. very stupid. It's yeah. very stupid. Um, I don't think that's the whole cold open, though. I don't think we can Probably talk about not. the sweater for Well, I mean, six I was going to say that, uh, you know, 18, yes, 18, just past 18 years in San Francisco. I'm still not used to this area's completely bizarre backwards weather patterns. August, yeah. to me, is to me, August is still a hot month, even though here it's more like cold and foggy and clammy all the time. But Sometimes it can be a hot month. Sometimes it can be like 95 degrees. It's just a crap that's shoot. That's true. It's Actually, <laughs> These days, it can be anything. Yeah, who knows? In fact, these days, in fact, it can be all of those things at once. You know where it's always warm, though, Brad? Where's that? Palo Alto, California. Oh, I was thinking like hell or something. But <laughs> What's the difference? Am I right? Sorry. Sorry to yeah. residents of Palo Alto. Um, no, Palo Alto, Palo Alto was the home of the first Fry's Electronics that I ever went to. Was it really? Mm hmm. It's the, it's one of the old ones. So, um, fries started in like 85 yeah, in Bay area, I believe maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but they, uh, they themed the stores for a long, long time. So like there was one that had a bunch of UFOs in it. Yes. It was like, like fifties, like space kitsch retro future stuff. Uh, I've seen pictures. There's like a giant UFO crashing into the sign out front. Yep. There's that's one that's in um, the one in Anaheim, which is pretty new, has like space shuttle stuff inside it. It's got okay. like a space shuttle you can sit in and like a vertical one up on the launch pad with the tank and the boosters and the whole thing. But the one in Sunnyvale in, in uh, Palo Alto, I, the, the Sunnyvale one, I think the Sunnyvale one was a science fiction one, but I don't think it's the UFO one. I can't remember. Um, the Palo Alto is one is the one that we always went to when I was at Maximum PC. And uh, it was Western themed. And they had like hot air balloons with mannequins, really terrifying mannequins in them. And like all the signs for the bathrooms and the payphones and all that stuff were like, you know, old West kind of uh, like ropes around the edges of a, of a sign with the corners cut out of the sign. It was it's a weird place. I, I, you know, I like a retail store with a little bit of personality, some pizzazz and look like, how far it got them. I got bad news for you, Brad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last night, they unceremoniously announced that, like, basically everything's getting shut down. I think yeah. probably by the time you hear this, it's all gone. Yes. yes. Like, I think it's like just the entirety of their website now is the corporate letter kind of messaging saying, here's how we're winding this down. I mean, that's like the, least, the least, best. 
they've ever done thing ever. Like I've been hearing nothing about fries for the last couple of years, but how insanely empty it was like literal entire shelves with no product on them is, is the kind of stuff I was hearing. I mean, f- fries is the one that went to like a consignment model, right? I sure. feel like they tried that for certain categories. Let me see. Um, Cause I feel I like once you're fries. at that point, you are in real trouble. Yes. 2019. It looks like fries is the one that went to consignment. I went to a fries in Austin a, because I was surprised that they had fries in Austin, but B because I needed a specific kind of cable when we were there for a shoot for foo years ago. And I went in and I was like, this was in 2017 or 2018. It was empty then. Like it was, it was, and this was like, so there's two eras of fries. There's like the eighties and nineties, which is when I assume that you could like walk in there and see like, like Wozniak walking around buying (laughs) transistors and stuff. Like, I I don't, I don't know. Oh, was it like a radio shack? Was it like full on? Here's like your, your parts area. It's like, I need this particular capacitor with this code. So probably not capacitors, but, but it felt like the kind of place like, okay. So in the nineties you had screwdriver shops, right? Which were like usually in kind of a CD part of town. And you went in and it was like full fluorescent lighting. There were a bunch of huge nerds there sitting around just talking about computer shit in places that they could like the only place that they could have those conversations. But, but it all, those always felt CD is not the right word, but like a little shady. Like maybe if you wanted to get some weird videos, you could talk to the guy in the back and he'd mm. hook you up. Or maybe also there was probably weed there. Okay. Um, but but like fries, you went in and it felt like a Best Buy, but also really seedy and grungy. And it was the inverse of a Best Buy. So, you know, you like you go into the Best Buy and like there's a huge section of refrigerators and stoves and washing machines and like DVD players and stuff like that. And then off in the corner, there's like two aisles that have like three video cards and a couple of CD-ROMs and a couple of really expensive hard drives and stuff like that. This was the inverse. So this was aisle after aisle after aisle of computer stuff and like walls of cases. So you could look at any case oh you wanted. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, they had they they would have all the video cards like they'd have the NVIDIA card and the ATI card and the 3DFX card from like from like all the manufacturers that were making them, not yeah, just well, like one know, video cards are one thing. Those are just kind of sealed products in a box. But the case thing, like how often do you get to look at all the cases in person before you select one? Like Dude, I, they I were out man, like I've, they, every case I've ever bought, I bought sight unseen. <laughs> like I wish I had known. So, so here's the thing though. They were out so you could look at them and it looked like, it seemed like you could take them down and like poke yeah. at them a little bit, but there was always a guy there that would yell at you if you tried to take them off the shelf. So ah. like pros and cons. Well, now we know why fries went out of business. They also, they also had components in bags. So like you could get white box kind of bagged OEM style oh, wow. sound blasters and video cards and stuff like that there too. If you didn't want the retail box, like it was, it was a cool place and it always felt like there were secrets. Like if you went back in the, the, the there was always like there's the front of house and then there was a divider and the back half of the thing was just warehouse, but you could look into it. It wasn't like there was a wall there. There was no artifice about the fact that they just had all the crap that they didn't have out on the shelves out in the back there. And also, literally had the worst customer service of any retail place. I think I ever went really like the, the, the people were the people who worked there were usually uh, hopeless and had no valuable information. But if you asked one of them, then usually some other customer would come up and be like, Oh yeah, I work at <laughs> HP. You probably don't want this one. You want this one. And it would kind of work itself out. Um, and, and then every time when you walked out, Fry's was the first place that I that they tried to search my bag when I left, like after purchasing something. I was like, dude, you're not searching my bag. No, 
So that's that I think at the end of the day is probably why I stopped finding my best buys at Fry's. Wait, you can refuse the bag search? Yeah, dude. They can't make you they can't make you show like it's you don't give away your right to your 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 uh sanctity of your being when you enter a store. <laughs> store cops can't get one over on you. Yeah, they're they're not those aren't real cops. It's p- fucking Paul Blart. You All can right. go to hell. Next time I go to Best Buy, I'm gonna yeah. stand up for myself. Just say no. They can look at your receipt in your bag. That's the thing you bought there. But like if you have a messenger bag coming in, they can't look in your messenger bag. That's fair. Yeah. Farewell, fries. We hardly knew ye. <sighs> I did see several stories today about com- people who were like, when we wanted to spin up the free version of Blogspot, we just went and bought a, a $500 e-machines, <laughs> Celeron e-machines. Wow from fries and jammed that into the office computer to see what would happen. Cause it was easier than going to the colo and buying a real server and all that. The billion dollar e-machine. Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. And may I say, you're sounding very clean today. Oh, I thank you. After, um, after numerous trials and tribulations. The, the, the Focusrite, like the Focusrite interfaces, I would not recommend after having used one for the last several years. Yeah, I think that seems to be the opinion of most people. <laughs> it, it, it seems to be the one that everybody has and also the one that everybody hates. Well, they're they for a while they were a lot cheaper than anything else that was out there that was comparable quality. And but the problem is, I think they it it almost feels like the old hey we make Mac hardware, but also there are Windows drivers for it. And maybe like because I never had this problem when I used it with a Mac for for doing podcast recording like years and years ago. And uh, it's only when I switched to Windows that it started being janky with one specific API, and it's the one that Jitsi and Discord use. So, um, yeah, anyway. Unfortunately, it's the good API. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the really good low latency one. Also, you're, it's starting to happen again. <laughs> Let's just push on and see what happens. Okay. Okay. Thank, thankfully, it does not pick up on your local recording, so people cannot hear what we are talking about. No, this is just tormenting you. Just don't uh, buy that. Fo- don't buy a Focusrite Scarlet if you can help it and you need XLR into your PC. <laughs> Look yeah, elsewhere. Well, the good news is there's a whole boatload of much better alternatives now. Oh, are there? Compared okay. to like five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It used to be that the only thing under 200 bucks with two input, two XLR ends was the Scarlet. Uh, and and now there's like, there's a Korg. There's a, there's a couple of, there's a, there's, there's a, there's several. The, there was a big conversation about this in the, in the music creation discord a oh, few months ago. That's great. Channel in the discord. I'd, I've been, I've been feeling increasingly self-conscious about my Yeti recently. I've been wondering if maybe I should uh, look into a little XLR myself. So, you know, the USB thing's real convenient, but I've now spent, I don't know, about a thousand bucks on stuff to make the XLR microphone sound okay. And mm. and then I still deal with crackle all the time. Okay. So the more you spend on audio stuff, the more fidgety it gets, it seems like. Okay. I, I maybe, don't know. Maybe I'll keep trucking with this, you know. Yeah, let, let it die. Pretty plug and play, to be frank. Who's Frank? Uh, emails. Right. Frank emails. He's here with a boatload of questions this week for, from our fine <laughs> listeners. 
<laughs> Take it away, Frank. Please uh, do a voice. Brad, what? do a voice. You got to do a voice. I'm not good at voices. I don't know. What's what's I, what's Frank Email sound like? <laughs> hi, hi, I'm Frank Emails, and I've got some emails. Let's read some emails. That's okay. That sounds great, Frank. Thanks. Uh, take it. Th- thanks for coming by. <laughs> we love it when you bring us emails every month. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, what's Anytime. our first email, Brad? Glad to be of service. What's our email address, man? I, I can't believe. read the emails until we look. You, that's 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 a different podcast rule. We don't have any rules like that here. We can do whatever the hell we want in this podcast. This federally mandated reading of the address before I can get into the it's actual content. Pod at content dot town. That's the All email right. address. You can send the emails and we read them at least once a month. Look, Tech you don't want to pod at content dot town. You don't want to hear from the FCC, do you? Look, the FCC, they, they can't catch me. They can't take me down. I'm unstoppable. That's right. That's right. Yes, I'll we, be out of this we, country before they, they blink. I walk away. They, yes, I, the moment you feel the heat, you got to be ready to hit the door. We broadcast on the podcast equivalent of international waters. So, yeah, they yeah, we're no, over here in Sealand. No jurisdiction here. Just got our, our floating podcast paradise in the middle of the ocean. You can jurist my diction right here Whoa. is what I'm saying. All right. First email. Signed Lymond, I guess is how you say hmm. that. All right. You ready for this? Hit me. I would have gone with Limon, by the way. Limon? This is why you don't let me read emails. Well, it's not any of the names in his actual from field. So (laughs) anyway, it's a handle. It might be a pseudonym of sorts. Yes. All right. Here we go. Where do you position the Windows taskbar? Oh, God. Default. uh, Right. Left or top. Do you hide the Windows taskbar or is it always visible? For multiple monitors, do you have a unique taskbar per monitor? I didn't even know you could do that. Or is it duplicated? Thank you for answering this very divisive question. P.S. Right, hidden, and duplicated. So. Right. What? So you can make you can make the monitors, the different monitors only show the apps on the taskbar that are open on that monitor. Oh, okay, That's handy. I tried that. It was it was maddening. Yeah, I could see that. Because like I kept clicking on it, we kept opening new Chromes on the second monitor when I'd click the Chrome icon or whatever. Right. And if something's minimized, you have to remember which monitor you minimized on it on to find it. Right. It, it, it was problematic. Um, yes. I could what's see your it. strategy here, Brad? I'm curious. <laughs> well, there, the reason I didn't know that about uh, the per monitor taskbar is because I only use one taskbar. What? My feeling, you don't have a taskbar on the second monitor? My second monitor ain't got nothing but sweet real estate for windows. How do you do why? that? I didn't know you could do, do you? that. Oh yeah. 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 In fact, I, I swear it defaulted to that. I could have sworn when I hooked up a second monitor for the first time, there was no taskbar, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, go to right. Click your taskbar. Hit taskbar settings. Whoa. Uh, taskbar location on screen. Combine. It's in here somewhere. You know, you oh, gotta go to under multi, multiple. multi monitor. Multiple to under, yeah, under multiple displays, there is a show taskbar on all displays toggle, which I have set to off. Uh, okay, I'm going to try this. I'll report back next week. I think it's pretty good. It's like a whole extra, how many pixels? Well, it depends on your monitor, I guess. Or no, actually, I guess it doesn't because the height of the taskbar is probably fixed, right? Unless well, you're using the scaling. scaling you use. Yeah. Because if, well, if you're not scaling up, then your taskbar would, will be. Who would use scaling in Windows, though? It's terrible. Wait, do you not use scaling? I have a 4K monitor. I have to use scaling. I'd have to get oh, yeah, binoculars four, to see at, stuff. At 4K, God, yeah. We never even talked about that. I guess at 4K, you're right. You would have to. Uh, yeah. When I when I traded up to 1440p at 27-inch, 
Mm. I definitely had I definitely had a good two, three days of like, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can handle this. This might be too small for me, but I got used to it. You got but there. I think, th- I think that 100 percent UI at that resolution and size is about the smallest I could possibly do any smaller than that. And I would have to scale. But I've just always heard that Windows UI scaling is bad. Like there's a bunch of Windows Windows is Windows handling is terrible. Like there's yeah. a thing that Steam does now on my computer <laughs> that I don't understand what's happening. But Steam opens bit. So I have I have the 4K on top and I have a 1080p gaming monitor on the bottom. Right. And the 4K monitor on top, when I open Steam, it maximizes the width of the of this of that of that monitor full screen. But it also goes all the way down super wide onto the 1080p monitor and it just zoops around like crazy. And you like you, it just doesn't work very well. It's bad. I don't know yeah. what's going on with it. It makes me a little crazy. That's- I, I could see that. That's uh, what grinds my gears. I, I, just, I just I can't help noting the irony of what you said about Windows what? being very bad at doing Windows. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's like true, their, their their priority is compatibility with legacy applications. And there are probably eight bazillion different ways to draw a window in Windows. So look, the it. thing they the thing they need to do is 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 fix exactly the programs that i use i don't care about any of the yeah, other crap brad of course it's only the stuff that i use that matters that goes without saying uh my my answer is pretty boring i i like a bottom taskbar and like i said do not use it at all on the other monitors do you hide it no i do not hide it mm. how about you what's your mine's on the left well really okay i could yeah sure i, I go top left i like I zoom the it. mouse up top left when i hit, hit the menu to be honest, uh, so here is a, here's an interesting related question. Well, do you still use a Mac much at all? Eh, not that often. Okay. I, I don't as much as I used, especially working at home. I'm mostly on a Windows machine all day now, but uh, I was on a MacBook for the entirety of the last like decade before that. Yeah. I'm a left, I am a left dock person for sure. 100% left dock. Yeah, no like doubt. I, and, and the reason I came to that is that you've got more... If you if you envision if you envision the screen set up as rows and columns, mm-hmm. you have way more columns than you have rows on a typical display, right? Yep. So so you should be taking up a column with your UI rather than a row, which actually just reinforces your choice to put the taskbar on the left. And now I'm starting to question my choices. Well, so it mattered a lot on my MacBook Air, which had a relatively low resolution screen. I don't remember what it was now, but it was before they did Retina displays on those things. And when I moved to the MacBook Pro with the Retina display, it was less important. But by then it was habit. And, and yeah. it was it was all about losing like, I don't know, like 60 pixels or something at the bottom of the screen for the dock. Totally. I, I like yeah. I like my dock to be the the one that gets big when you mouse over it. Yeah. The magnification. Yeah. I like that. It I looks very cool. nice. I have always really appreciated Apple's just kind of the, the smoothness of their UI, you know, the, yeah. the, the focus on responsiveness from, from OS 10 through the iOS and all that stuff. But so, uh, yeah, I, I'm left side. I pin all of the apps that I use on the reg. Yeah. So like same. I can windows key one, two, three, four, five to open up the five most common apps on my computer. Oh God. Is that a shortcut? Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh, and what? I think, hold up. So are you saying if I were to. And you can windows use six, you can hit it, it again. Isn't, yeah, it is, in fact, going to launch steam. You're right. That's yeah. that is a, that's a hot tip. And you can ta- tab it multiple times. So if you use a browser that exposes the show tabs as Windows thing. Oh, what? Then you can use it to tab through your browser windows. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Holy shit. 
I think it only works on Edge and Firefox, and Firefox has been hinky lately. So it's maybe working in Microsoft Chrome changed right something. now. Is that not the business? Oh my god, this is life changing. Yeah, you're welcome. Dude. What we do here? Holy shit! I can't believe this. Like we should uh, change this podcast name to Brad and Will Change Your Life. That, yes, that's, that's, that's the right. big that's, promise. Yes, that's, that's what we do around here. We're in the life changing business. Um, uh, are you willing? To read from left to right all of the apps that you have pinned to your taskbar. Well, I'm going to read from top to bottom. Oh, right. Because I'm, I'm on the left side. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, I got Firefox. I got Windows Explorer. I've got Discord. I've got Steam. I've got uh, Signal and WhatsApp. I got Slack. I got the Mixer Control Panel. I've got Voice Meter's macro button, which I use to send hotkeys to Voice Meter on the stream PC. I've got Python to execute the little script that lets me use the knobs on my mixer controller with the mixer. I've got OBS. I've got audacity. Uh, audacity is not pinned though. That's the first one that's not pinned. Same. So, yeah. All right. Here uh, I go. Can I, can I tell you where this whole thing breaks down because windows sync settings between PCs that you're logged into and I can't figure out how to turn that off. Mm. So on my stream PCs monitor, which is a portrait ultra wide 34 inch display, I also have the vertical taskbar on the left side of the screen and it's gratuitous, unnecessary, mm, sure. maybe bad. And when I drag it from the left side to the bottom, it moves it on all the other computers. So I, is, I, if anybody has any tips on that hmm? in real time, like if you're logged into multiple machines, will it just automatically happen on the other machine? I don't know. Give me just a sec. I'll tell you. I that think it's the next sounds, time you log in. That sounds infuriating. Uh, I bet that's buried in the user account settings somewhere. I couldn't figure out how to turn off syncing just that. That really sucks, but um, it seems like anyway. exactly exactly the kind of oversight that would exist in Windows. What do you have pinned, Bren? What are your pins? All right, here we go. Uh, from left to right, Chrome, Firefox, Edge, File Explorer. How do you have Edge pinned? Because, I don't know. Look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not browser shaming Dude, you here, but... New, new Edge is good. Have we not talked about Edge? Is new, like, modern <sighs> Edge is just Chromium. It's just Chrome. Except we've talked about that. Yeah, no, I know we've talked about it, but it's, I just, it's, I, it's the same, I, it's, look, the same it's the same rendering engine as Chrome. It's I've basically a, the same thing. I've got a Microsoft bias. Uh, I get it. They can't make I mean, browsers there. Here's why I have multiple browsers. Well, there, there are multiple reasons now, but um, the proliferation of web apps has gotten mm. me to the point where like I literally am just running multiple browsers so I can just be logged into different services in, in different browsers and not worry about them colliding. Yeah. You know, that's like, a real, real let's thing. Let's say, let's say you are juggling two to three Google apps accounts at the same time. <laughs> Doing all of those in the same browser gets to be a huge pain in the ass because inevitably you will be opening like, oh, that's not the Google drive I want. I want the other one. And well, no, you can, you can just, well, I know uh, you, yes, I know you can swap accounts okay. in some cases, but let's say you also have to authenticate through Okta for all of those and stuff like that. Like gotcha. you got corporate network bullshit. Dealing with multiple corporate networks at one time is even worse than dealing with one. Do anyway. you pin tabs in your browser? No. So I pin I pin my email and what is the uh, my home assistant and what Twitter. Does actually, what does that actually do? It just means that there are always like little icons on the left side of your screen. Huh. So like I have my hey email, my personal Gmail, my oh, work Gmail. Interesting. The tech pod email, oh, my secret handy. account that nobody knows about. Yeah. It's, re it's really just condensing the tab. Yeah, but, you know but, what, it, you but know, also you know when what you open is. it the first time, it all, those pins are always there if they do it right. Let Firefox me, doesn't what, handle it right. Chrome did it really well. Let me go to my... Oh, look at that. Okay. That's cool. Man, yeah. 
That's not quite as life changing as cycling through all my Chrome windows with a with a shortcut key. But all right, Chrome, Firefox, Edge, File Explorer, Terminal, like the new one, Windows Terminal. Yeah, which the fancy is one. Pretty good. Steam. Uh, I guess we're calling it Battle.net again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Epic Games Store. I used to have Origin after that until I got rid of it. WhatsApp, Signal, Discord, OBS, Music B. You ready for what's, the last one? What's Music B? It's what I moved to from iTunes, which is the most. It's the most iTunes like thing that is not iTunes I could find. Except is this like a Fubar, a Fubar fork. God, God damn it! I was about to say you want to know what the last one is. It's Fubar two thousand. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Uh, music B is like it's an it's a nice music library manager type thing slash player, but okay. it handles it'll take any format, including let's say you were moving your entire music library over to Flack, mm. which Apple is not you know, like Apple. Uh, I think ALAC, which is basically just Apple's version of Flack, is the only thing that iTunes will take. So yeah, uh, it's, I, it's the the un, un, un losslessly compressed AAC, right? Uh, well, it's not AAC. It's just, it's just, it's just lossless. It's, it's, it's basically, right. it, it is, it is very similar to Flack, I think, in terms of its internal structure. Anyway, we don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. There. When I, when I went and re-ripped all my CDs in Flack and then iTunes wouldn't take them, I was like, why don't I just get off of iTunes? So I used Music B for what I would have used iTunes for before. And FUBAR is strictly for emulated video game music. There you go. So. Anyway, um, that, was a, that was a long time on that email, but I'm curious what people think. Uh, what, you know, one of us is right. One of us is wrong here. Who's right? Mm, Brad yeah, or so me? It can't, it can't be both. Yeah, no, there can be only one. All right. Chris from Edinburgh, uh, per the semantics discussion on uh, a recent tech pod. I can't remember which ep- uh, episode this came up on. It's uh, right at the start he, of the month. Was it? Okay. This is, this is about been, the, it was the, it was the magazine episode, I think. This is this is when we I think you're right. This is when we lamented that biannual has now come to mean two completely different things. It's like inflammable. Wait, has that one been ruined too? Inflammable means both will burn and will not burn. Yes. What? Dude, because well, people don't means will burn. <laughs> inflammable ah! also means will burn, Brad. Ah. It has to do with the roots. I think I can't remember. Oh, there was no. there's a there's a lingthusiasm podcast about this. It's really oh, good. Oh no. Also, if it's inflammable, just just walk away. If you see something that says inflammable and you're smoking, just walk away. It's oh, best man. to be safe. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> okay. Per the semantics discussion on a recent <laughs> tech pod, I like to use twice monthly and two monthly to distinguish between twice every month and every two months. If anyone ever says biannually, there is always a follow-up question about which one they mean. So 100% of the time, it's just quicker to say it the long way from the start, (laughs) twice a year or once every two years. Chris isn't wrong. Twice monthly is, yes, twice monthly is a nice, straightforward way to communicate what you're trying to say. Two monthly is is kind of, does that qualify as a... A kludge? Kludge? How do you say that? Kludge? I always say kludge. I always... In my head, it was always cl- anyway. That's that's one of those like very awkward to the point solutions, right? Two monthly does not exactly roll off the tongue. Sounds a little bit clumsy, but yeah, like I feel like I feel like well, twice monthly I can get behind. Yes. two monthly that's madness. Well, but, but again, fun. like you know, he's 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 trying to circumvent a very annoying problem here, which is that this word has drifted into two very incompatible positions. So. 
which drives me insane. I looked up the inflammable thing because I was worried I'd gotten it wrong. Uh-huh. The definition from the dictionary is easily ignited and capable of burning rapidly. Semicolon flammable. It does not actually mean will not burn. Inflammable right. means it will burn. Flammable also means it will burn. There we go. Okay. It's because okay. of the medieval Latin. I see. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should just move on. I here. think that's best. Probably. Okay. Let's do that. Uh, next email is from friend of the podcast, Jeff Grubb. We love Jeff. Yeah. Dude, Jeff, that hit me at night. Holy shit. That what? Agent 47 tweet the day that the stadium news came out <laughs> two, three <laughs> weeks ago was like, well, I just, I have to, I have got to give it up. What did one he do? Most, I missed it. One of the most, one of the most masterful uses of Twitter I have ever seen. <laughs> it was the day that the Stadia first party. I mean, we just talked about this yeah, yeah. last two, two last weeks week. ago. Two, uh, uh, before uh, last week was Adam, but the the Stadia closure stuff oh. a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> when they shut down first party, it, whatever. I'm I am belaboring this. He just tweeted a photo of Phil Harrison, who, as you may know, is entirely bald. He looks like Agent 47 and and who and who is in charge of Stadia more or less on the day that Stadia wow. was sort of killed. And he just <laughs> in quotation wow. marks, excellent work. 47. That's a that's a that's some pretty good shit posting right there. This, this was also right as like this was right when Hitman 3 was like the thing like it had just come out. Man, the Hitman 3 is still the thing. That game's great. Yeah, I need I should get back to that. I, we always are having to move on to the next thing, which mostly is Valheim now. But Valheim also is great. How far are you in Valheim? We uh we just killed our first troll actually on oh, the stream. Congratulations! We did. Yeah, we 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 Vinny and I realized, hey, this troll that can really only hit you up close. What if we just used our bow and arrow? You can you can fat roll that thing pretty easily if you want to yeah, bust out the old Dark Souls one skills. So, so, so I didn't realize that either. That was another revelation of that stream is that there are iframes in that roll. Uh huh. Uh so. That's also good to know, but we, we just kited it around with bows and it really was not that hard. But anyway, I'll send, I'll send like, you a picture afterwards, but I decorated the guest room in my house uh, with a bunch of troll heads. How do you place the trophies? I could not figure it out. You have to have bronze because you need bronze nails to do it. Bronze nails. Interesting. Okay. So if you have bronze nails, if you, you should, if you come to my server, I'll let you touch a bunch of stuff and then you can. I, I thought about it. I kept thinking about jumping on your server because I want to see cool stuff, but then I'll, we'll just see all the cool stuff and then it's there's it, there's work you, yeah, it's like it's well that's it's, the thing though if i if i see it all i may not want to do the work anymore i need to i need to preserve some mystery that's true i see, built a three-story longhouse which wow yeah I, you know i would like to get some architectural tips so maybe i'll pop in for that so why is rss cool brad <laughs> well i didn't actually oh. read jeff's email because oh. we went off on multiple tangents oh, right. about how awesome jeff is for five minutes instead of answering his question all right, here's the email. Isn't it cool in our platform-controlled future that there's still this free distribution protocol? He's talking about RSS. This is why I like podcasts. Talk about RSS for five minutes, please. I think RSS is awesome. It's it's pretty good. Matt Howie posted a thing this morning that said, uh, remember when Google killed Reader and they basically finished blogging? They killed blogging at the same time. And I think he's probably right. That's a shame. Yeah, I know. That's, seems pretty good. Blogging was cool. Yeah. Uh, everybody I, had a well on the other hand though everybody had a voice but i guess that voice wasn't algorithmically promoted so maybe it was okay 
This, this is a difficult situation. Like, which? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Did, did you use RSS readers ever? Or were you? Not did you bypass all that stuff? Really? Like early and early on in the giant bomb era when we were trying to be like a news blog. Oh yeah. I I set up a bunch of RSS feeds to try to keep up with news, which was mm-hmm. kind of handy, but like not since then really. Um, that was that was the last I like when when I was helping with the news stuff on tested when we first started, I had a massive RSS feed feed list and I kind of ducked out as soon as it's just a lot. It's a lot. Yes, to, like, yes. It, doing that, do, like doing that news job becomes a full time job. And as a result of it, my feelings about RSS are inexorably tied to what it was like to work on a daily news site for a long time. Yes. Um, also, it was uh, it was easy to become a little cynical uh, every time the exact same story would pop up on every one of your feeds at the exact same time. <laughs> like you realize just how much everybody is just reporting on the same events. But yeah, that's inevitable. Hey, the, I suppose. Guess what time the embargo was? It was 8 a.m. Yes. yes. Or, or, you know, just even organically when things happen, everybody is rushing to say some more stuff. Uh, really simple syndication. Is that your understanding? Yeah, Dave. Dave, um, not Dave Pell, Dave, uh, I don't remember his last name. Why uh, a guy named Dave came up with it with some other folks. Dave Weiner. Dave Weiner. Chance? That's it. He's all over this Wikipedia page. He's Dave is a, Dave is a Silicon Valley character. Okay. Character, huh? Character. Uh, um, wasn't, uh, the, um, his name escapes me. The other cr- the creator of RSS, Aaron, Aaron Swartz. Right. I think Aaron Schwartz involved, was involved in the development of RSS. Maybe he was not the only creator, but yeah, he would have been pretty young then. He, uh, that, that's, I don't know a ton about that whole situation, but it sounds like a pretty tragic story of him being hounded over. It was computer crimes that were marginally criminal. Yeah. Right. Like, like to, yes, barely computer crimes. Right. Right. And was just like, I don't know why any of that happened, but I, I don't know enough about it to really comment, but it seemed pretty tragic. Um, um but anyway, uh, but like the, the neat thing about RSS was before we had XML, it was a kind of extensible way for you to share information between websites yeah. because like you could, it, it supported contain, it allows for containers. So you can say, okay, here's an RSS feed with the, with the framework of what I want. And then I want to have, video or audio or or machine readable data that transfers between computers and yeah. you can do that with rss now we use would xml you, for all that stuff but rss sure. is still cool yeah would you say that rss uh, qualifies as a, as a as a as a right yeah i was gonna say does it does it qualify as a form of data serialization because i think I that, is, that. that is that is technically what stuff like json and yaml is and i guess it's this is basically the same thing right it's just structured data that can be read in and well, you know, Yaml is just another markup and, and, language, right? No, it is. It is not a markup language. Well, what is YAML, it? It's Yaml stands for Yaml ain't a markup language. Oh, I don't. I don't approve of that grammar. That's sorry. That's don't talk to me. Um, Pine is not Elm. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. I mean, for me, RSS was always about hum, machine to human in a repeatable. Like it's the neat thing about RSS was it let you strip out the formatting for everybody's terrible web pages from the yes. early 2000s, right? Yes. So like you just loaded pointed your RSS reader at the Washington Post website and you have to see any of their terrible ads or their or their bad layout and you could just see the web pages the you just got the content, which Yeah. Like as a magazine person, kind of offensive cuz like, you know, <laughs> magazines half half design, half content. Sure. Yeah. Ah, that's all in the past, old man. 
Yeah, I know. It's we just, don't get to do that anymore. That that's just wasted money and time. So gotta get yeah, the content out there as fast. Content as fast as possible. Yeah, let her rip. Uh, RSS very good if you run a podcast. I can say that. Oh, I mean, it's either that or Spotify if you want to distribute yeah. podcasts <laughs> to people. There's not a lot of other options. Which you know, we should probably be thankful that it is a free, open standard that still drives the distribution of podcasts and not hey, something much worse. Hey, check out my SoundCloud. Mm. Uh, can we talk about Adam Curry? The pod sure. father. Oh, oh, the inventor of podcasts. What co-inventor, right? Wasn't it did, MTV's Adam Curry? VJ, former yes. VJ. Yes, VJ and, and podcast inventor, entrepreneur. Yeah. What about him? I don't know. It's just weird that he disappeared after inventing the podcast. You'd I think he'd have guess. a podcast now. I don't know that he had a plan to monetize it necessarily. <laughs> well, I mean, in the beginning, so our podcast budget by which I mean three headset microphones and paying an editor once a month or twice a month uh, came out of marketing. We treat it as a marketing expense at max PC mm, when we started the podcast. Yeah. Okay. This says he, Adam Curry founded his podcast company in January, 2005, which is early, but not like inventing podcasts early. necessarily. Well, he, 2005 is when it's did Hotspot start? You guys were uh, one of the first ones too. PC Hotspot gamer podcast. Was, Hotspot, yeah, PC Gamer was, I think, around the same time. Uh, Hotspot was 05 as well, I think. Also, it's entirely possible he started the podcast before he started the company. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm sure that stuff was happening. Work was was going on. Yeah. I'm sorry, here I am on archive.org. It does not have a date on the episode, sadly. Hmm. Apparently, whoa, now it's playing in my earphones. I'm sorry. Apparently, the first episode of the Hotspot. Oh, there, there's the date. July 20th, 2005. Yeah, so mid so, mid two thousand five. Adam Adam Curry had us beat by six months. Also, the first episode of the Hotspot was less than fifteen minutes long. Wow, it was like Which a segment. Pretty wild when you think about it. Anyway, yeah, it is. okay. Um, but yeah, so so your podcasts are cool. It's I think. Yeah, do right. people use RSS for anything other than podcasts at this point? I don't know. People should yeah. look. Well, people write in. Write in. And let us know. Yeah, I'm curious. I would, to see actually, what, I, yeah, honestly, I would love to hear about some novel uses of RSS because I don't really know of any anymore. Like I like I said, just use it. We use it for putting out the podcast. I used to have um, RSS tied to like an FTTT like service so that when specific sites posted something in really specific sub channels that I wanted to know about for work, I could get a notification. So like the video card sub channel on an Antec, if some if he posted something i would get a text message from from Ooh. that service yeah that's which nice. was really cool it was like push the, news point all cast the hot, all the hot gpu news as fast as possible yeah all right uh brian from la uh with the announcement that there is a future for playstation vr uh, i'm wondering what your thoughts are on the new features in the new hardware uh what are the must-haves I know they made mention of new controllers, which is awesome, but I'm wondering if there will be inside-out tracking or a wireless connection. Uh, I started with an original PlayStation VR, and it's still an awesome and the most comfortable headset. Uh, I've never had any tracking issues using it. You are very fortunate. Um, I recently got a Quest 2 and wirelessly played Alex on that, so I'm excited to see what will be in a new PSVR. I think the knock-on effect of first-party VR can only lead to more and better software, too. Um, so they didn't put out a ton of info on this other they, than yeah. like, honestly, the biggest revelation is, and we just covered this, like that PR episode was only what a month ish ago that we it was did this month sometime. Yeah. The last time, uh, Jim Ryan talked about 
PlayStation VR, he really threw cold water on it. <laughs> it was very much like, that's ah, not coming next year. It's not coming the year after that. Like we sure if VR is cool, we'll get back around to that sometime. Probably this, <laughs> this seemed very much and, like a partners heard that that statement and like flipped yeah. out and yes. everybody called their their rep and were like, hey, man, we're spending a bunch of money making these VR games for, for your platform. It's right. going to still be a thing in two years, right? Yes, that yes. While while people like us were out there going like, ah, it sounds like they might be abandoning VR, and I'm sure yeah. that did not go over well. Um, I mean, the weird we talked about this, but it's weird that they've sold like four or five million headsets, and it's still an incon like not it's not an inconsequential part, but it's a very small part of their larger PlayStation business. Which yeah, is well, weird. That, I mean that that just speaks to how big the install base of the PS4 actually is. I mean, it is yeah. massive. Um, but, but you know, like the old PSVR support on the PS5 could be better. Like it's really not great. Uh, like they have not stayed behind that thing as well as they could have. Well, so the the PSVR they they didn't give any specifics about what they're doing. All they said it was gonna was gonna is that it will have uh, higher resolution, better screens. I think he said better ergonomics for the hand controllers, which yeah, tells so, me they're getting rid of moves finally. Yes, yes, they're yeah. So the the two like data points out of this like tangible piece of information are new controllers incorporating some of the features of the Dual Sense is what they said. So like to me that is like probably the resistive adaptive it's triggers the, it's the triggers triggers and like i don't know what else maybe the probably the haptics right like the haptics are very good mm -hmm. in that controller as well uh the other thing is that they explicitly said it will be an easy single cord setup which yeah. at first i was pretty bummed that it is not going to be wireless i don't know if that's a pipe dream for a, a headset that's probably gonna have to be like if what, it's under 500 bucks it's not gonna be oh, wireless I was, god i was i was gonna say like three to four hundred max right I would like assume the, you're at the quest price point if you want to be competitive. Right. So, yeah. So maybe, maybe that was never going to happen to get wireless in, in that category. But I mean, it the single cord is almost definitely just a single USB-C into the front of the PS5, right? It has to be that. Is right? there a USB-C on the front of the PS5? Yes. I would hope so. Okay. Like there cannot be another breakout box, right? I, look. Well, I mean, I, honestly, I, I have to assume single cord setup probably implicitly is saying there's no there's no breakout box right surely that, that that's what that says to me and okay. it also means there's no power dongle too which is nice yeah because that's awesome like that actually is pretty damn convenient if I, I don't mind a cord if it is a cord and it just plugs straight into the console like that's that's pretty great so fr from where i sat i've spent a fair amount of time with the ps uh, psvr like the actual headset's really good especially given when it came out and that they haven't updated in the last four years uh, the 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 screen's pretty good. The refresh rates that it supports are not great today, but they were fine at launch and, and they work fine for the capacity of the PS4, especially the stock one, not the pro. Um, the comfort is the best of all of those first gen headsets. Oh, yeah, that, it's, the Halo, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, the Halo is really good and the way it slides on and off your face is super comfy. The one um, I, I will say that rubberized kind of forehead sort of let's say you're streaming a VR game for a very long period of time. Like it can, it can get a little sweaty in there after a while, but yeah, but at least it doesn't get squishy uh, and wet. Like the actually foam. you're right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Actually, because it is rubber, you can kind of just wipe it down. pretty yeah. easily. So. it's super easy to clean when you're doing demos and stuff like that. Um, the, I wish so. Okay. So that's the stuff that's good. Uh, the stuff that was cheap, also good or relatively speaking, the bad stuff is that moves are bad. Uh, it oh, didn't have integrated terrible. audio that that little the headset that it came with was bad and like yeah. not having headphones built into the into the ring into the halo is a real oversight. I mean, I understand they were keeping costs down, but but damn. <laughs> um, and the the moves are just 
like exceptionally bad, both from a tracking and ergonomic standpoint. Like I, I under, I'm sure that that's the only way they could make that thing happen is by yeah. leveraging the hardware that they didn't sell from the previous generation. But, but like, man, what a, what a missed op- Like, but if, if they had had a controller with two lights on it instead of one, so they could get actual accurate Z positioning, it could have been such a better device for stuff like beat saber and, and, and pistol. Like, I mean, that stuff works fine, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> as much as it was a decent first effort effort, it was kind of hamstrung out the gate. Um, do you think valve ports Alex to a PlayStation VR two? If Sony writes them a big enough check, probably. Yeah. You don't think, you don't think they would just do it on their own. I mean, why did they make orange box on PS3? Mm, yeah, that's right. Why did they bring steam to PS3? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm 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 pretty bullish on the idea of a new PlayStation VR. I think that, that what they're saying so far sounds like it could be pretty good. Oh, you know, I missed the actual best thing, which is that Sony has a boatload of studios and they're willing to devote actual top tier AAA yeah, game yes. devs. Yes, he to, did mention first yeah. party stuff. I mean, you know, I I I would not necessarily expect like a Naughty Dog or a Sony Santa Monica to be making a VR game. Like those, Look, yeah, no. That's that's too much budget to throw at something that has a, a an absolute ceiling of like, you know, a, a small few million people that could buy it. But well, but but like, you know, like Japan Studio, like a Sobe Studio, like some of those, you know, that have made the Astrobots and some stuff like that. Like, yeah. Well, and and also like the thing that it seems like they're maybe doing and, and this may be just my perception, but the thing that they do with like London Heist and stuff like that is they take. They they did the same thing that UB did with that gone grow home was that that game where yeah, they had like grow home. yeah they had like built an indie team inside UB that just yeah. went and made these weird games yes that is the kind of thing they absolutely can and should support yeah that is what that is what I would love to see coming out yeah. of Sony's take the people that like want to make smaller games and and give them some agency and let them go yeah. weird, experiment and make weird stuff in VR that sounds great. And with the like massively increased horsepower of the PS5, maybe more of their first party releases have like optional VR stuff, you know, like well, more, yeah, of the tri- then, tri- more AAA stuff is like, oh, here is a VR mode in this because like we have the horsepower to run these assets at these frame rates now. Well, and, and the other thing that we've learned over the last few years is that the higher frame rate you can deliver in the headset, the fewer people get motion sick when you do things that make people motion sick, like move the camera in a linear motion without any acceleration, like, you know, immediate acceleration to your desired speed. A lot more people can do that than we kind of thought in like 2016, 2017, we're able to handle that. So it's, um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting place for them to be. I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're still doing VR. I think it's important. I think it's good that Sony is doing first party games. Agreed. They have a lot of good studios. Yeah. Um, from uh, VR to AR, question from Ed. As more and more things point towards uh, augmented reality becoming mainstream in the somewhat near future, for example, Apple's AR glasses, my question is, what do you think that AR is going to be used for? So many examples that I have seen have been disappointing. Of existing AR apps, there are only two I've seen that I and thought I would use that. Measure. Um, I'm not familiar with Measure. Maybe you are, uh, but I can infer... Because uh, he says, I usually forget about that and have already grabbed an actual tape measure. So I assume that's some kind of. So it's a built into iOS app that uses the tape, okay. uses the depth cameras to give you. Okay. Moderately accurate distance measurements. I would my say. iPhone, my iPhone is too old. 
for me yes. to have seen that, sadly. Uh, uh, the other one is Ubiquity's AR app that lets you see what is plugged into which port on their switches and routers. Have you seen that? That seems magic. Uh, Twinkle Twinkie on the Discord has uh-huh. one of those, and he posted some videos of it, and that shit is fucking cool. <laughs> I, I, like, I want that so bad. It is, it is the coolest thing. I, it's probably the single coolest thing I have seen AR used for. It is like, to, to be clear, what we're talking about is like, you know, if you've ever seen a rack mounted switch, I mean, there's like, what, two dozen uh-huh. or way or even more, 48 yeah. in some cases, Ethernet ports on those things. And this thing just lets you hold your phone up to the front of that switch and pan across and it will just pop little futuristic looking holograms up showing, <laughs> you know, each device that is connected to those ports. And it shows host names or something, right? I think so. Yeah, because it would know that it would know which port has which host name, you know, which device connected to it. Yeah, so I assume really cool. you don't even you don't even have to set all that stuff up yourself. It is it is awesome. Um, um right here. so I like I want like turn by turn nav in AR. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me let me run down his examples oh. here. He he gave some thoughts. Uh, for future things, here are some of my thoughts. Directions, but super localized. For example, where something is in this particular store. That's kind mm. of a cool idea. Um. If the AR glasses could be tied into your car, it would be cool to see your dashboard display beamed into floating reality in front of you. Uh, Another cool thing might be manuals for things. Example being you're looking at an engine and you could ask where the spark plugs are and it would highlight them. Uh, I could be I could also see AR being very useful in industry for the same reason. Uh, (laughs) And I would love for AR glasses to pop a person's name up because I am horrible at remembering names and faces. However, the privacy issues with that are obvious. Really mixed feelings on this. Um, I like the, that's kind of an interesting idea with the store thing. Like, I wonder, you could almost see some future, some AR future where there's like open standards where you just kind of passively connect to some store's AR feed when you walk in and you can just kind of get stuff popped up in front of you that leads you around. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I've always wanted to just have my my grocery list in the store like in an app and just have it like traveling salesman my route through the store. So I don't have oh, to think about it. Cool as hell. If you could feed a list of products in and have it kind of just route out where everything is and you just go get it. Yeah. And then, and then like if you're, if you're looking in the Hydrox aisle, Nabisco could chuck some money toward the grocery store and do a little bit of an ad that says that just paints over the Hydroxes that says Oreos, you know, two <laughs> shelves to the right. <laughs> oh boy, I don't like this so much anymore. <laughs> have you have you read Werner Vinge's um uh what's Werner Vinge's book? Uh not the ones about the wolves. It's um I can't remember the name. Newton's Newton something, maybe? Hmm. Uh, but it's all about this. I it's about not. what goes wrong if you're not if the world you're looking at interacting with isn't uh, necessarily the one that you see, you know, is 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 allowed to be overridden by corporations. Huh. Well, I think we're going to find out pretty soon. Probably. Yeah. Guess. Yeah. Um, I like turn by turn. Nav. Yeah, I, that, that's an obvious one. I'm sitting here trying to think of some. So Google, you if you haven't used maps lately, when you open maps and you're like in a downtown area, it's like, it says, Hey, if you point your phone at the skyline, we'll, we'll be able to like exactly position where you are rather than the 20 or 30 feet that, that like your orientation and your position more accurately, um, which is cool. 
So, so the, here's my. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's it's like it's like when you walk down downtown San Francisco, there's enough metal around that the compass doesn't work right in most people's right. phones. Yeah. So like you you your turn by turn is a little bit inaccurate. I guess like here here's my real question. Like you know, drawing on what he said, like the applications of AR really depend on what kind of device you're using to augment the reality, right? Like what you can do on a phone is very different from what you could do on a hypothetical, like better Google glass. Like, or, like uh, that's my real question is because like, you obviously can't do his, his, his dashboard while driving thing with a phone. Right. Well, you, but you, you absolutely, but you, you, or, you know, it would not you be can. safe to be a mirror. Uh, I guess so. I mean, but like it, th- that is much more seamless and safe. If you've got just something that is bolted to your face all the time that you're looking through hands free, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Is what I'm getting at. So like, do you think that we are going to see a resurgence of that kind of like always on your face, sort of walking around with AR glasses kind of thing. I I mean, not that the Google glasses were AR glasses because they were, they were okay. uh, You're right. Actually, that's, they were like a smartwatch for your face. Yeah. Um, but it was really handy navigating in a car in a new city with those. Cause like it, when it was time to turn, it would give you the Google maps turn by turn directions and just say, Hey, here's your, you know, you, you have, you can be in one of the three leftmost lanes to get where you're going. And if you're in cities that you weren't familiar with, it was really, really useful. I guess uh, Magic not, Leap is, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm like not a thousand dollars useful, but yeah, yeah, but yeah like yeah. convenient. Magic Leap obviously is the more modern example of what we're talking about. And you obviously see what happened to them. So, well, I, I mean, I don't think that, like, I don't think what happened to them is an, is an indictment of AR. I think what happened to them is an indictment of like, you know, naming your companies. It's like, it's, it's the same problem that Tesla has by naming their, their self-driving stuff autopilot, right? Like they're, 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 they're naming one thing and they're delivering something that is less than that other thing. And like, it's, it's not a, not a smart strategy, but, but like, it's, this is the thing that happens to first movers in new markets often is that like they went out and raised a whole bunch of money when this was really, really hard and it's getting less hard every year we go on. And now we have a handful of small startups, but probably a bunch of small startups we don't know about competing with Apple and Google and Facebook and Microsoft and probably Amazon, but who knows, um, to all like take the chunk out of this, this first thing. And, and like we've done VR for five years now, six years almost. And we're looking at like, we understand how that works from a computational like user interface and user experience and much better than we did six years ago. And a lot of the lessons we learned from that will carry forward into AR. So probably it'll launch smoother. The question is how long will this stuff work? And, and like, you know, are people going to actually wear it? I, I already am seeing like the Alexa glasses that Amazon launched last year. I saw somebody who had reviewed them and they're like, these things are clunky. You look like a huge glass hole. And um, <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to wear these even even if they are useful, but also they aren't useful. So like the challenge is, you know, when 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 Tim Cook stands up on stage and shows off the Apple glasses, what are the five things he's going to show? Like what what are the three devices that 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 thing is going to replace in the same way that the iPhone you know, Steve Jobs stood up with the iPhone in 19 in 2007 and said, hey, here, here, I'm going to introduce three devices today. Oh, by the way, it's all the same device. Like Dude, that, I, that is the bar. Not to digress too much, but I go back and watch that clip once every year or two. It's a it's a or very this, good. It is. Like it's 
maybe the Prob- only good one of those ever. I was, I was, I was going to say it is, it is probably the most the best and most stage managed product reveal in history. Like it's it's a really just a, a master class in building hype for something. But 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 yeah, I mean, that that's the the challenge. And this is the challenge, the smartwatch challenge. Like they just finally have gotten to the point where you're like, oh, this is actually something useful. I, I kind of could use this versus I'm literally buying a device that's designed to annoy me. Right. Like, hey, it has an EKG and it's going to tell me if I have atrial fibrillations. That seems like something that's maybe worth spending 400 bucks on. Yeah. Hey, it's going to give me all my notifications, but on my wrist instead of my phone. That mm. seems bad. I don't want that. Yeah. 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 They are. And I would love the face thing, but it's super creepy. And I also don't want the face yeah, thing to exist. Yes, I, I don't. I don't think that should. That probably is too far, which is exactly why it will happen. Yeah. Um, Facebook. Do you think we do you think we get to like very capable AR glasses that are indistinguishable from just plain old glasses in our lifetimes? Wow. Huh. That, that probably happens, right? Like the 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 pace of miniaturization and and screen screen technology and that kind of thing. Like, well, I don't I mean, know. Maybe not. Battery like, technology is pretty slow. I, I don't know. I don't think we'll see. I don't think you'll have like low profile wireframe slash invisible frame AR yeah, like glasses. I'm talking, I'm talking like real like futurist bordering on Star Trek type shit. Like like science fiction style. Yeah, I think, I think it's possible that we'll see fashions shift in a way that makes them more palatable. Like people will go back to big chonky frames and like, we'll see some like, you know, old person style wraparounds that you like you wear to the eye doctor after you get your eyes dilated, stuff like that. Maybe, I don't know. I I'm, Hmm. I'm uh, like, I think it's more likely we'll see that than functioning brain implants. And and, and actually, I think we'll see glasses that people will actually wear within the next three, five years. I think, um, I think we'll see glasses that are indistinguishable from normal glasses. Another, like if you look at phones, it's, it's another 10 years after that, probably, you know, it took, yes. it took five years to industrial design <clears throat> the first iPhone into the iPhone five, right. Which is kind of the first of the modern ones or four, the first of the modern ones. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it's also, they also had a lot more volume to work with there. So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very curious to see. I am I don't I don't I think that the that if these are useful enough, it'll be like the phone where remember in like 2000 in in 2009 when you were on Muni and you looked at you looked around and you saw like one person on their phone and then like in 2011 you looked at, looked around on a Muni platform at rush hour and every single person yes. was on their phone. Yes. Like I think that's the I think that's the direction this will go if they can huh. provide useful like things that are actually useful and and powerful for normal people and not just somebody who has a ubiquity switch in their in their right garage. Right. Right. That's some futuristic stuff. I mean, the good news All is right. they seem to be waiting until they actually have that stuff. Yeah. Um. All right. Next email is from Stu two more here from Fernando from Fernando. Uh, finally joined the discord after your VR episode and after the magazine episode and seeing will interact so candidly with your audience for the last week. I was wondering, wait, what? I'm in there too. Look, <laughs> you and I are in different channels. So some people Very only see channels. you and some people only see me. Very different channels. Mostly been in the Linux channel for the last week. We both show up in games sometimes. That's where we yes. overlap. I think. Yes. Yes, for sure. I saw you in there talking smack about me, by the way. Sorry. It's okay. It won't happen again. I know. I'm uh, noted. 
At any any rate, here here is his question. I was wondering what you are. What are things that each of you are just fans of? What I mean is, you both have an ocean of knowledge. That's very generous. Thank you. <laughs> Overly generous, generous, perhaps. Uh, especially of all things tech. Uh, but everyone has things they're passionate about, but can't put the Gladwell ten thousand hours into art, cooking, games, movies, books, tools, etc. Uh, what are things that you both wish you knew more about and still give you a sense of awe and wonder? A lot hmm. of us, even at 40, still take time off work when a new exciting game comes out. Are there things, events, or topics that still make you feel like you're 10 and it's Christmas Day? Uh, in my case, this year, it was Half-Life Alex and Squat and Star Wars Squadrons. Not only was I fully hyped up for each, but the experiences lived up to it, and I was on Cloud 9 in a particularly shitty year. Um... So we talked about this beforehand and my answer yeah. was bad, but I've been thinking about it. Okay, good. Well, that's good. Cause your first answer was that you didn't have an answer. <laughs> yeah. The first answer is that I'm completely devoid of the ability to feel joy. joy. So like I fandom is weird for me because in the tech space, fandom has almost exclusively been toxic and bad, right? Like, mm -hmm. like, I, and when I, by that, I mean like the people who are arguing on message boards about whether Intel or AMD CPUs or NVIDIA or AMD yeah. graphics yes, cards are better. Yes, Ford, Ford versus Chevy applied to every possible paradigm. Yeah, I don't have any I don't have any time for that in my life, but there are things that I get really stoked about to see. Right. Like like when a new book from one of my favorite authors lands, I I'll, I drop everything like I'll Charlie Strauss books comes out. I'll go pick it up the day it's out and sit down and start reading. Um, I love I love, love, love watching people who are really or even moderately good at what they do, do their work. Like, it's why I like reality TV, like Blown Away and the great uh, Pottery Throwdown and the great British Bake Off and Top Chef and Project Runway and all that. Like, I, I like the less of the reality TV scuzzy drama that they do, like the the better for me, uh, which is why the UK produced ones tend to be more entertaining, even if maybe they are taking talented amateurs rather than people who are you know best in the world or whatever. Yeah. But, but it's always fun. it's always fascinating to me to watch somebody who's really really good at their their thing do their thing, and that applies to like video games. Like speedrunners are fascinating to watch because it's just a level of precision and skill that I have no hope of ever reaching. But sure. I, I I love I can appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Food, um, coffee. I don't know. I like yeah. a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm really seizing on uh, awe and wonder in his email as the operative terms here. But mm. first thing first thing that came to mind for me was astrophysics. Like that is the biggest topic that I could possibly think of pondering. And like, it's, it's the one that has some overlap with like a sense of, I think kind of sounds a little corny, but like spirituality or sort of oneness with the universe in a way. You want to get small pondering the infinite. I, is a, <laughs> it's, it's a pastime of mine. Um, I don't know. Like <laughs> I, I just honestly, I mean, I, I could sit there forever and read about, uh, you know, stellar nucleosynthesis or like, you know, the purpose of magnetic field. Uh, did, did you or, read Katie Mack's new book yet? No, I have not read a ton of books. Like I, I, I'm pretty bad about going down a Wikipedia hole on things. Okay. Uh, and just trying to build some working knowledge of things like, um, I don't know, honestly, just like pursuit of knowledge is the thing that still fills me with awe more than anything. Like I just, I just want to know about things as much as humanly possible. Yeah, I, uh, I like I like um, I, being informed feels nice. Yeah, um, I I love going down cooking holes. I don't have as much time to do it as I would like necessarily, 
but I, I love learning how to do something new or learning how, like the other day I, I looked at the buttermilk that's in our fridge and it says cultured buttermilk. And I was like, cultured buttermilk means that they make this with like some sort of macro, macro, micro, uh, biop biology, uh, tricks. And it's not just like, you know, the high fat part of the milk, you know, that, that probably goes into some other part of the manufacturing process. So I went and looked it up and it turns out, yeah, it's like lactobacillus and all that stuff. You put it in there and let it sit for a few days. And all of a sudden you have buttermilk. And I was like, oh, I should just be growing my own buttermilk instead of instead of buying buttermilk, which is it turns out hard to get delivered during the pandemic sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's fun to know about stuff. It's fun to know how stuff works. Yeah. Did you know, for oh. example? Yes. You know, you know, everybody loves to quote the eight minute figure that, you know, it takes light eight years. I mean, eight years, sorry, eight minutes to reach us from the sun because that's roughly the was like seven and a half. Whatever, man. It's rounding up here because that's, you know, that is the time that it takes to traverse 93 million miles plus or minus. Right. It's also but, how many pounds leave your body when you die. Dun, dun, dun. No, it's like whoa, that's a bad Will Smith movie. Whoa. Sorry. I think it's actually seven I'm pounds sorry, also. Sorry, I've, I haven't seen that movie. That reference was completely lost on me. I just tried to pretend. No, you did um, good. Nobody knew. Uh, but did you, did you know that it can take tens of thousands of years for, you know, once the energy is released from the, the nuclear fusion that's taking place in the core? Oh, yeah, sun, it takes forever. It can, it can take tens of thousands of years for that energy to make its way out of the core and be emitted from the sun because it's like bouncing around in there and in, in this kind of god-awful subatomic soup that is happening in there it can it can take a very long so like you know there's just loose photons like, like yes 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 right exactly so like yes it took eight minutes for that to get here from the sun but that energy may have actually been released from that reaction like well before human civilization existed <laughs> wow and that that see that's the thing there's always something more awe-inspiring even even behind the thing that you think is awe-inspiring well, this is this is like this is like the key Dunning Kruger idea, but applied to fun stuff instead of like humans being stupid, which is that like there's always no matter how much you think you know about something. And as somebody who knows a lot about a, a little bit about a very lot large number of things, like it's 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 always I've always known this, but I never really appreciated what it meant until you start talking to people who are really at the top of the top totally. of their their game, uh, like across all of humanity. Totally. And I, I try to be very careful with that. And I'm not sure that I'm always successful, but there is definitely, a, you know, an autodidactic quality to going down Wikipedia holes. And like you said, knowing a little bit about a lot of things like yeah. you have to, especially when you're doing stuff like that, you really have to make sure you remember what you don't know. You know, like you have to constantly be willing to remind yourself, you know, of what you don't know. Well, you have, you have to know what you don't know. Yeah, you, is yeah, what I'm saying. Is, is, like you have to, you have to always be <laughs> conscious of the fact that like you can gen up a bunch of facts with a Google search, but like that does not necessarily make you an expert. And and that is that is the thing. It's it's one of the things they talk about. Like when you go to the science communicator conferences, they talk about that stuff a lot too because it's it's it is it is very easy to go in and talk to a bunch of experts and feel like you have an expert understanding of this. You've absorbed an expert level of understanding of what are fractally complex topics all the way down. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you muck it up and you, you cause massive confusion. You make a bunch of people think that they understand <laughs> something that they don't. Sure. And, you know, next thing you know, the Texas power grid's going down. So, right. Yes. Um, but if you do it right, you can impress people at cocktail parties. Like, you know, when, when Doug comes on the podcast and starts talking about how Mars has barely no or barely any atmosphere. And I can say it's like, all right, because the, the core cooled and the lack of 
the yeah. subsequent lack of magnetic field allowed the solar wind to blow it all away. I um I I still get a real sense of joy at like fixing things or not yes. necessarily fix like fighting entropy is really fun for me. Okay. Um but but also in this case I I've had these when we moved into this house I bought a big box of fluorescent tubes for the garage lights. And they've been in there for years and years and years and I've been using like three a year for 10, 12 years now. And I finally put the last one in. So I ordered some LED replacements for those. And the LED replacements didn't come with a little hat that goes over top of the bulb. So it doesn't illuminate the ceiling. It just reflects down at the ground. And I looked at the hat from the old lights and I looked at the tubes. and I was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And I drilled a couple of holes and put a piece of wood in there. And I mounted the new lights onto the old hats. And like that, that is, that brings me a massive amount of joy. It took like an hour, but now I have these awesome lights. They're going to last for as long as I own this house, no matter how long I, if I die here, I'm probably good. It's the satisfaction of a job well done. Yeah. I can get behind that. Speaking of a job well done. I think this is a good place I need to wrap up this week. Oh, wait, you said we're going to do two more. There's one more. There's one more and it's a space email. So I have to read it. Okay. The final speaking of speaking of astrophysics. Uh, This is from Oscar in Stockholm. This is a long one, but I personally think it's worth it. Uh, I really enjoyed your discussion of Dyson spheres in the intro to the latest podcast, and I thought I'd send an interesting little fact about them to you. This is the kind of thing that most people find really annoying uh, when people point out, but you guys are just the kind of space dorks that might find it interesting. So here goes. I did, in fact, find it very interesting. All right. Ready? Hit me. In the late 17th century, Isaac Newton was sitting around and thinking about how his new discoveries about gravity would work inside of massive hollow shells. This is the kind of thing you sit around and think about if you're Isaac Newton. Uh, If you're at the very center of a massive shell like a Dyson sphere, it is pretty clear that the shell would have no gravitational effect on you. Since there's equal amounts of shell at the same distance in all directions, gravity should just cancel out. This is like if you dug a hole all the way to the center of the Earth. If you got to the very exact center, you would float because gravity is at the same strength in all directions. With me so far? Yeah. Okay. But what about if you're not at the center, but closer to one of the edges? Uh, The answer then isn't immediately obvious. Uh, Some parts of the shell are closer than others and therefore have a bigger gravitational effect on you. But there are more regions that are further away. So the total gravity from those sections increases because there's more of them. Which way is heavier, the closer, smaller parts or the bigger parts further away? What Newton was able to prove using integral calculus, which he had invented like the week before, is that regardless of where you are in the shell, gravity always cancels out perfectly. Bodies inside of hollow shells feel no gravitational effect from the shell itself, no matter how massive the body or the shell. This is now known as the shell theorem and has its own Wikipedia page and everything. Uh, the proof is in Newton's Principia Mathematica. All right, here is, here is the part where I found this actually getting pretty interesting. All this means that rigid Dyson spheres, like the ones in Dyson sphere program, are essentially totally impossible. There would be no gravitational interaction between the Dyson sphere and the sun. Think of what this means. The reason that the Earth doesn't just fly off into space is because it's tethered by gravity to the sun, which uh, makes it have a stable orbit. A Dyson sphere would have no such tether. As the sun inevitably drifted around the galaxy and in space, it would simply drift off and hit the side of the Dyson sphere. 
Uh, this applies to rings as well, incidentally. Almost all sci-fi, including most hard sci-fi, seems to be totally unaware of this fact and just assume that, that Dyson spheres would stay in place like planets do. Freeman Dyson himself, being a theoretical physicist and everything, was obviously well aware of Newton's shell theorem. And when he was asked about this issue, later commented that he imagined his Dyson spheres being more like swarms of satellites instead of a rigid shell. Well, so the other thing is, the, the, so the thing that people say when you ask them this kind of question is they say, well, it's going to rotate. So you're going to have centripetal force pushing you away from the sun and uh, on the swarm pieces. And it's just going to work itself out. A, this shell thing is a mind bender. I've never heard this one before. I thought I thought this was going to be an email about the rotation at different latitudes of the sphere having to speed up or decrease and shearing the entire thing into a million different stripes because if it's spinning, the top spins at a slower speed than the than the equator. You know, the equator is spinning at one speed and the poles are spinning at another zero speed. So as you go up the up the latitude or down the latitude, the speed of at which the 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 um the hardware, the ring, the sphere has to spin is is in increase decreasing, I guess. Um it's funny because the other thing that came up in the discord this week is somebody said hey the culture novel novel rings aren't dyson rings going around a sun they're like orbitals that are just ring shaped in and and they rotate with the sun facing one direction so they have night and day cycles that last however long the ring takes to rotate and the size of the ring is determined by how fast they have to rotate in order to get the gravity they want on them but yeah, I don't know. This is a trip. We're not going to build Dyson lot. spheres realistically. This is, this is a lot. Probably I'm going to refund this game though on Steam though. It's a game of <laughs> lies. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. I um, thought this was science fact, not science yeah. fiction. This, oh, this uh, is a good email. Yeah, that was good. This is yeah. another one of those space things though. Has this reminded me exactly how much everything is in motion all the time? And in how many different directions? Do you ever think about that? Like, oh yeah. You know. People think about, okay, like you think about like you've got a two body system like the Earth and the moon, right? The moon mm -hmm. is just orbiting around the Earth, although I guess like if you're being technical, they're orbiting each other, right? Well, they're orbiting like, at a point in space that's well, closer yes, that's to what the I, Earth. What than I, the moon. That's what I mean. Like yeah. the moon exerts some influence on the Earth, even though it's much smaller. It's yeah. not just not that much influence relatively, but you know, the Earth is also orbiting the sun, right? Everybody thinks about that. But then I don't, I, I feel like that's where it stops generally, but like, the sun is also orbiting the galactic core, right? Mm -hmm. The galaxy is itself kind of, I think galaxies sort of tend to orbit each other, right? Well, like, the galaxies, but it's also moving away from all other galaxies except for the ones that are local to it. Well, that's, well, that's different. That's, 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 you know, cosmic inflation. Movement, well, that's not gravitational attraction, though. That's cosmic inflation. Well, yeah, but it's still movement. That's space, that's Mo space is getting bigger. Movement counts, man. Well, I, okay, sure. Yes, you're right about that. Well, does, is, I don't know that that I actually don't know that I don't think that's that's not locomotion through space. That is the expansion of space itself. Mm. I don't know that that is actually the same thing. But if you're but, getting further away from something, are you not moving relative to them? Mm. See, the thing about this is movement. It's all relative, Brad. Right. But we're not you're not moving through the medium. You're stretching the medium itself. Now, how much would you pay? <laughs> all right, we should. We should stop this. I wish my house would stretch through the medium and be a little bit bigger. We should probably stop this episode. I we we got to get a theoretical physicist on here at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm totally down for that. I so 
um yeah i i like i like i like to think about this stuff it's very satisfying yes anyway um, i i was i i think that i i'd have to assume that even clusters of galaxies are interacting in some kind of gravitational fashion everything is moving everything is moving relative to everything else all the time and it's a lot to think about do galaxies have tides from other galaxies i don't know maybe mm. didn't they find out right. that we're someplace different than they thought we were what this is a conversation for another day. Skip it. But you know what time it is, know. Brad? I don't know, man. It's time to thank our patrons. All let's the wonderful about, people. Let's talk about two-dimensional holographic universes. <laughs> let's not. Uh, let's, let's thank our patrons and move on. Let's let's talk. Yeah, let's thank let's thank our, our patrons. It's the last episode of the month, which means we thank a lot more patrons than normal. Um, and if you would like to find out how to be one of them, you can go to patreon.com slash techpod for two dollars a month you can get access to the fabulous tech pod discord where you can like interact with brad and me and a bunch of wonderful nerds about a massive variety of topics now um it's funny because it's kind of it's kind of broken out into these little sub tribes where i see the same faces in the same channels but they don't all overlap all that much anymore um but 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 everybody's there and everybody's really friendly and when you want to learn something new you can dip into another channel and there's there's stuff there that's a, um, that's a good way to engage with it. You know, it's like I, you know, for a while I was pretty hot in the Mr. Channel because I was yeah, building, building and using a Mr. a lot. And like now I'm in the Linux channel because I'm doing a bunch of that stuff. It's it's fun to bounce well, around. It's it's like it's like tourism, right? It's like it's like topic tourism. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, in addition to that, we do a monthly patron only episode, which we have to figure out this weekend sometime. Oh, right. Um, it is and, the end of the month. How did that happen? Look, this is February short a, but B, I don't know. The weeks go so fast right now. Uh, this week, it's because it's because it's because we live in a causal universe, man. Everybody knows that. I wish I could see both. I, I wish I could see time as a dimension. <laughs> Made things so much easier. Yeah. Uh, as always, thank you so much to our executive producer tier patrons who I have to stretch out so I can see their full names. Here we go. Um, we have James Kamick, David Allen, Jacob Chapel. The Bunny Fiend and Cedric Kostenmacher. Uh, and then we also, uh, at the end of the month, we thank our associate producer tier patrons as well. Uh, so thanks to Graham Banks, Thomas Shea, Jad Rita, Dan Brockman, Dave Yulian, Jorge Pereira, uh, Ben Gulmi, Arthur Geese, Terry Cox, Jacob Wilson, Tom Hilton, Sean Talon, Brian Rob, Robbe, Rabe. Brian Rabe, sorry, apologies. Send me a note and I will find out how to pronounce your name properly. Uh, and Andre M. Burke, thank you all so much. I really appreciate yes, you all. Yes, thank you very, very much. Um, and yeah, like the Discord is a really, it's it has become one of my favorite places on the internet to hang out. We talk about it a lot, uh, but but you should definitely dip in. Uh, and if you're, especially if you're a patron and aren't connected, haven't connected Discord, or if you've had trouble connecting, send me a, send us a Patreon message and we'll work it out for you. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for this month. This month, this week. I guess we'll be back uh, next week. And if you're a patron, stay tuned for a patron episode, uh, hopefully by the end of the month. Yeah, coming at you. Bye, everybody. Bye.